Good afternoon, and welcome to Free to Be Faithful. I'm moderator Kip Allen. Free to Be Faithful is a religious liberty education awareness program created by the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod in response to increasing governmental and societal incursions into religious life. People of faith and our institutions have come under increasing attack in recent years from secular sources. This year of our Lord, 2016, is a critically important one for people of faith in general and Lutherans in particular. This is an election year, and issues of concern for Missouri Synod Lutherans are part of what's at stake. Free to be faithful will take a look at three specific issues of importance to the Synod, abortion, marriage and the family, and religious liberty. The two main political parties have taken stands on these issues and their party's platforms, as have the two major candidates, former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton and businessman Donald Trump. A party's platform is a statement of principle and objective, but the platform has no force of law, and candidates often deviate from one or more of the planks. The candidates have made statements on many of these issues, Sometimes the statements are contradictory or have changed through the years. Free to be Faithful will examine these three major issues of importance to the Senate and then discuss where the parties and candidates stand on those issues. Free to be Faithful guest, Pastor Chris Toma of Our Savior Evangelical Lutheran Church of Heartland, Michigan, will define the issues from the Senate's point of view. Pastor Thoma is a regular visitor to Washington, D.C., participating in pastoral briefings with congressional leaders. He also serves as a clergy member of the think tank for the Michigan legislature. He's written and testified frequently on these issues. Free to be Faithful believes it's important for Christian voters to be properly informed. We'll do our best to provide that information. However, we will not make any endorsement of any candidate or party. That's a decision for the individual in accordance with their conscience. Free to be Faithful encourages our listening audience to ask questions. Our telephone number in the greater St. Louis area is 314-825-0850. Outside the St. Louis area in North America, the toll-free number is 800-730-2727. The program may also be contacted by email at townsquare at kfuo.org. Pastor Toma, you are the guest today. Could you tell our audience a little bit about yourself and why you are involved in this issue? Uh, sure, sure. Thanks for having me, uh, Kip. I appreciate it. Um, I am the pastor of Our Savior in Heartland, Michigan, as you had mentioned. Um, and I can't say anything specific with regard to having been enticed into the arena uh, that involves this discussion, except uh, simply seeing what's going on around us in this world, beholding it with my own eyes, uh, recognizing that uh, so much of what we're facing and seeing unfolding in this world uh, at this point is almost always theological in nature. Uh, I've been drawn to um, give attention to it and to uh, pursue it and to see what I can do as a pastor in the, in the trenches to help our Missouri Senate engage in the discussion uh, as appropriate. Well, the first issue I think we need to discuss is the issue of abortion. This one is really in the forefront from both parties and for the public. What is the Missouri Synod's official position on the issue of abortion? Well, the, uh, the LCMS, you know, this is not a new topic for us. It's not even uh, new as far as the 1973 um, position of Roe v. Wade or the decision of Roe v. Wade. 
We've been uh, dealing with this issue, talking about this issue well before, uh, but even after that decision came down, um, it was in 1979 um, that we uh, had a resolution uh, and essentially said three things in particular. Um, it affirmed the position that an unborn child um, is indeed a person in the sight of God right from the time of conception, and this is the biblical understanding, uh, of course, and also we affirmed as a synod um, that as a person, they are to be protected uh, by God's divine law uh, from murder. So uh, they are not to be aborted. They're not, that's considered murder. Uh, and then three, um, the simple, simple premise that abortion takes human life, uh, which means that it's not a moral option uh, in a in a pregnancy, unless of course the mother's life is in certain jeopardy. That's a, a part of the understanding, and that's a very deep discussion that happens around that point. Well, I've gone over the party's platforms, and I've also examined some of the candidates' positions on it. Let's start first of all with uh, what the Democratic Party has to say. I'm going to quote for the party platform. It says, we believe unequivocally, like the majority of Americans, that every woman should have access to quality reproductive health care services, including safe and legal abortion, regardless of how she lives, where she lives, or how much money she makes, or how she, she, she is insured. Now, over and above that, there are a number of things that the Democrats say that they want to do. One is they want to uh, appoint pro-choice, as they call it, judges to the federal court, to the federal judiciary. As you know, we have one opening right now in the Supreme Court and are likely looking at another three. They also call for what's the repeal of what's known as the Hyde Amendment. This is the amendment that was passed that specifically prohibited the use of federal funds for direct abortion care for various groups. Also, the platform calls for supporting abortion funding for Planned Parenthood and other groups. So how do you've just heard what the Democrats have had to say about this. And also, I'm going to give you a direct quote here from Hillary Clinton. The unborn person does not have constitutional rights. And as long as we have books on the law, laws on the books like the Hyde Amendment, it makes it harder for low-income women to exercise their full rights. So we seem to have a very basic decision here on the part of the Democratic Party and on the part of their candidate that... The only the woman has the rights, not the unborn. Uh, do you interpret it this way as well? Uh, here's what I would say. Um, I would say that I'm going to back up just a little bit here um, based on the platform discussion that you're presenting. The fundamental distinction um, that we're dealing with here, and this is one that I speak to fairly regularly, the fundamental distinction that we're dealing with here is between between the pro-life and pro-choice platforms is one of personhood. You just quoted um, Hillary Clinton's uh, remarks with regard to uh, an unborn child gaining that personhood outside of the womb. Now, Roe v. Wade, I don't know how uh, much folks necessarily know about that particular decision, that judgment, essentially judged that a woman has a right, according to uh, to the Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment to have that abortion. And the Due Process Clause essentially says uh, something like, no state's going to deprive any person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law. And no state can deny any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection under the laws. Uh, so now we're, we're dealing with that, again, that uh, fundamental of personhood. So the understanding handed down in 1973 was that a woman is a person, but an unborn child is not. 
So now I'm carrying us into what you were saying about the Democrat uh, Party's platform. Personhood is not an actuality according to their platform and according to their fundamental beliefs until after birth. Hillary Clinton just affirmed this, uh, as you stated on, in a TV interview not that long ago. And technically, technically, because of this perspective, this very foundational perspective for the Democratic Party, many, if not most, of the pro-choice organizations out there support abortion right up until the due date. Uh, NARAL, um, for example, uh, one of the most hideous, the, uh, I forget the uh, title, National Association uh, Repeal of Abortion Laws, NARAL, they don't even hide the fact um, that a woman should have the right to choose until the child is born. Um, this is a hideousness. This is a, a uh, as I've said sometimes, a meat-grinding industry that the Democratic Party supports fundamentally in its platform. Well, I'm going to go over now to the Republicans on their side on it. Uh, again, I'm quoting directly from their platform. We assert the sanctity of human life and affirm that the unborn child has a fundamental right to life which cannot be infringed. We support a human life amendment to the Constitution and legislation to make it clear that the 14th Amendment's protections apply to children before birth. I think we have a very clear differentiation here between the two parties. Absolutely. Um, the GOP, uh, the Republican Party, affirms the personhood of the unborn child. It's The GOP is in the platform of pro-life. It's always been there, uh, as far as I know, um, as far back as I've looked. Um, there's even the call, uh, as you've been hinting, um, for this constitutional amendment uh, guaranteeing 14th Amendment rights to the unborn. It's fully uh, fully in support of the Hyde Amendment, which, again, as you noted uh, before, bars the use of public funds for abortion. Um, now, as a pastor, as somebody who's looking at these things and seeing the uh, various alignments um, with these things alone, something like this, the GOP, whether they realize it fully or not, they've set the stage for America to see the unborn as a person. Uh, this is godly, and Christians should absolutely want this. They should absolutely be chasing after this. Well, one thing uh, I think people don't fully understand about the Hyde Amendment is that while it does it, pro it prohibits those funds being used directly for abortion, they are indirectly being used. I mean, Planned Parenthood has one-third of its budget comes from federal funding, even though it supposedly doesn't directly is not directly used in abortion, but it frees up other resources that are. Now, one aspect of the Republican platform is that they would also bar any funding for any group that performs or supports abortion, whether the right. money is used directly for abortion or not. That's right. That's right. Uh, and those are important distinctions to have uh, in mind uh, with regard to this topic. Very important. Now, one thing, one area where uh, Donald Trump has uh, differed a little bit from the Republican platform, uh, for one thing, he seems to be a little bit squishy, if I, I'm going to use that phrase. Uh, about, <laughs> Very appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he, has, he has made statements in the past that he thinks perhaps abortion might be acceptable up to the first 20 weeks. But again, he's hedged on that more or less. Also, he said he would make exceptions for uh, rape and incest as well as for life of the mother. Now, we in the Missouri Senate do recognize that abortion is permissible to save the life of the mother. What about the rape or incest exceptions that businessman Trump would uh, would support? Uh, we, don't we don't promote that. We don't support that. Um, God is the one who creates life. Uh, and even in the case of rape and incest, as tragic as it would be, 
Um, and just for an example, to give somewhat of a, a context to something like that, take a look at the lineage presented there in Matthew's Gospel sometime uh, when you see the, the lineal heritage of Christ himself. Notice how Matthew um, will every now and then point to a very, um, what's the word I want to say, um, scandalous situation, <laughs> something of tragedy or something of scandal, scandalous nature, and he'll highlight that for us in a way to show us how God will take those situations and use them uh, for the benefit of his people, for the, the benefit of the gospel extension. Um, that's not an easy thing to hear uh, for someone who's been raped or someone who's been the uh, victim of incest in some way, and yet the great thing about the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod is that even in the cloud of, of heartache and suffering, we are a synod that looks to and clings to the Word of God above all things. We, we, we focus our attention there, and we trust that God knows what he's saying, what he's doing, and how he is leading us. Well, this is one of those areas where I, I alluded to earlier, where the where the candidate differs from the party platform, and right. this is and one he of has those. strayed quite a bit uh, in this particular area. He said, in fact, I've had a hard time kind of pinpointing his mental matrix on this topic as I go back and I look at it unfold uh, from before he was even publicly pondering uh, his presidential run to now that he is the uh, nominee. Um, he's been all over the map on this, uh, but still, but still, when you look at the platform of the party, uh, the the platforms of the very of the two parties couldn't be any more different than one another. Yes, it's a very, very clear differentiation, and uh, he does. He is on record also supporting public funding. I think his exact quote yes, is, is. Yeah, "Public funding of abortion thing. providers is an insult to the people of conscience at the least, and an affront to good government at best." Right. Moving on to the next issue, uh, that of the sanctity of marriage. It, it even boils down to what is the definition of marriage, very basically. And I think this is another place where the two sides are quite at odds. Now, what is the Missouri Synod's position on marriage and the family? Well, again, um, I'm going to go back uh, because it's good to know the history. This is something where um, the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod has been in the forefront of dealing with these kinds of issues. And thanks be to God, we've had leadership um, throughout the years who have paid attention to these things. So this is a to these are topics we've talked about long before others have. Uh, but again, um, something you can point to um, in particular is the affirmation back in, um, I want to, it was 97 or 98, um, where the Synod stepped up and, and affirmed once again when this movement was really starting to pick up steam in the United States that same-sex unions, uh, speaking specifically of same-sex unions, are, according to the scriptures, completely contrary to the will of the Creator. And they are sin. It is sin against the commandments of God. Um, so the LCMS continues to confirm this reality with regard to uh, uh, the marriage, marriage being between one man, one woman. If uh, anyone has a chance ever to get their hands on their uh, Missouri Synod pastor's uh, Lutheran service book agenda, um, just go into there and look at the the rite, the ceremony for a holy marriage, and you'll see that we've written this right into the very uh, in, into the very service itself, where we say in the uh, proclamation at the beginning what marriage is. It's this honorable estate. It's instituted and blessed by God in paradise before mankind's fallen to sin. Um, the scripture texts are there. We speak of uh, from Ephesians chapter five um, with regard to the profound mystery uh, that marriage is—the picture of the communion between Christ and His bride. 
we have this very, very good theology, uh, not only um, not only in our confession, but in our practice with regard to holy marriage itself. It's it's permeating in all that we're doing. I'm going to uh, move on a bit here now and actually go to what the, the two parties say as well as the two candidates on this. Now, the Democrats... Uh, as part of their uh, their party platform state, and again, I'm quoting directly from their platform, Democrats applaud last year's decision by the Supreme Court that recognized that LGBT people, like other Americans, have a right to marry the person that they love. Hillary Clinton has said that Democrats applaud last year's decision by the Supreme Court that recognized that LGBT people, like other Americans, have that right. Uh, I would also point out that Hillary and Bill Clinton have been married for 46 years. In the Republican platform, it is referred to as the gay marriage decision has been referred to as an assault on the foundations of our society. Candidate Trump's position has been, as perhaps with the abortion issue, perhaps a bit over uh, on both sides. He says he's opposed to gay marriage, but he has a history of being friendly to gays in many areas. And, for example, he opposed the North Carolina bathroom bill. He says that he's evolving as a fair person, but right now seems to be for traditional marriage as a definition between a man and a woman. He does say, however, that he thinks states should be able to decide whether or not that particular state will recognize a gay marriage. And, of course, Mr. Trump himself has been married three separate times. What does this say about the parties and about the candidates? Well, uh, again, you know, just to touch on the comment you uh, offered there with regard to Trump, um, his his uh, stance with regard to this being a decision of the states is about the only unshifting statement he has made in particular with regard to these topics. He's, he's moved kind of all around uh, in various ways and places, very contortionist in a sense. Um, I, I, can I take a minute and go back again? Please um, do. Um, again, uh, when I'm approaching these topics and I'm trying to talk about them publicly with folks, I'm trying to, I try to whittle some of the things down into what I would say are some of the fundamental questions. And one of the important questions here has to do with, in my opinion here, has to do with how Americans understand the term liberty. Uh, because that's uh, that's the word that's thrown out. That's the word that's used by all of these various groups that are pushing this LGBTQ agenda. So in other words, what exactly are we free uh, to believe and say and do as human beings? Is liberty itself uh, an objective truth, or is liberty something that is arising up and out of something else that is objectively true? Now, I would say that the Bible, and Christians need to hear this and understand this, the Bible says it's the latter. But American culture is is pushing upon us the fact, and they're being trained to believe it's the former. Um, so now, um, I wrote a blog. I wrote a blog. I keep a blog, um, and I wrote a blog post not all that long ago where I said that I think radical individualism is essentially the devil's middle finger <laughs> uh, to all of us. Uh, radical individualism is the conscious, willing uh, disavowal of distinguishing between what is objectively true and what is only true by way of subjective interpretation. And it's nothing short of astounding to watch. With the LGBTQ movement in America, uh, we are being embroiled in the foolishness, and it's quickly carrying us to uh, what I think uh, is society's unraveling. Uh, and so I joked, uh, what I think will only, we'll only know this for sure, that everything's finally coming undone, uh, when someone from the Flat Earth Society, uh, someone who adamantly holds to the truth that the Earth is, earth is flat, uh, when someone like that ends up getting appointed to the chief position at NASA 
and some very bad things start happening to our astronauts. <laughs> um, it, sure, it's fine for you to believe that the world's flat. Um, you have that right. But there's another truth, much more imposing than uh, than that, that would prevent you from acting on your subjective truth, from getting a job because of that truth, from being taken seriously as a public servant, let's say, when you're mapping out geography uh, districts or whatever, from demanding that the airplane... <laughs> that you're going to be riding on to go out west to your Flat Earth Society meeting be calculated according or calibrated according to the presumption of a flat earth, uh, you can't demand these things, not because you aren't free to believe them, but because they oppose what's actually objectively true, the fact that the world isn't flat, it's round. Uh, so again, um, the question, I don't want to be too... Uh, wordy here, but I'm a preacher, so you got to put up with us. <laughs> Not only that, you're a Lutheran but, pastor, so we know. Uh, yeah, that's right. We, we've preached a long time. Um, does liberty mean you're free to do whatever you want, or is it inevitably bound by the rules of, of objective truth? And you must affirm this natural law with radical individualism, which is at the heart of the LGBTQ movement, uh, with it picking up steam. We're beginning to see that there are no boundaries to a person's freedoms, we're seeing that right now, most vividly, especially with what we've sort of already talked about, medicine and biology, it's changing our fundamental understanding of law. Uh, biology is becoming a preference. Uh, transgenderism, abortion, medicine, uh, for example, these subjective truths are becoming rights, and there is no natural boundary to this thinking. Well, this moves us actually on to uh, the third topic, which is religious liberty, which really is is uh, intricately involved with the first two, and I think vert, really with almost every other issue that we're facing in this election. Uh, one thing that the Democrat Party has uh, stated here in its uh, in its in its uh, platform that I find very striking is, and I'm going to quote here: "We support a progressive vision of religious freedom that respects pluralism and rejects the misuse of religion to discriminate." Hmm. Can you comment on that issue? Yeah, I can. Um, again, and it sort of goes back to what I was saying before, um, this pro this progressive um, theologizing. Essentially, again, what they are doing is, is they're taking those biological things and they're, they're massaging them uh, in, into a philosophizing, into a theologizing, and they're turning those things uh, into, into rights. Uh, they're, so they're taking the biology of, of someone's gender uh, and making it a philosophy or, or an interpretive uh, opinion. Um, I, I, I don't understand um, how so many can be so accepting of such foolishness, um, personally. I'm, I'm, well, oh, part, go ahead, you were going to Yeah, well, part of it, I think, is where it, it bleeds over, over and above what happens within the church body itself, but where it goes to what's happening outside of the church, where we are seeing uh, people of faith who are being punished because of, uh, for example, the uh, uh, cake makers who will not sure, yeah. make a cake in, in celebration of a gay marriage, who have Melissa been punished very severely. Fine. Yeah, they were fined so severely. And then you put that up beside, uh, and they did something. They refused to provide a goods and service to someone based on conscience, based on theological conscience. And yet, you had in that same uh, in that same sphere, sphere uh, somebody like uh, uh, who's the rock star? Um, what's his name? Uh, I'm no fan of his, but he refused to have that concert. Um, he refused to have the concert because uh, of the ruling down south with regard to transgender uh, bathrooms. Oh, I think that was um, um, the boss. They call him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What? Um, 
Bruce Springsteen. Yeah, yeah. I was trying to think. And, and nothing happened to him. And his decision affected thousands of people. It affected jobs, uh, people working in the area. It affected the, the economy. This one family, this uh, Melissa and Aaron, they affected one or two people, and they were completely and utterly destroyed. Um, and yet you have, you have this... Uh, this uh, double standard going on. You've got Kim Davis in Kentucky. You've got Judge Ruth Neely in Wyoming, who's an LCMS uh, Lutheran, fighting to keep her place on the bench because she's not willing to perform a same-sex marriage. Um, this agenda is being imposed upon the Christian church. And the Republican platform on that very issue says, ongoing attempts to compel individuals, businesses, and institutions of faith to transgress their beliefs are part of a misguided effort to undermine religion and drive it from the public square. I think a lot of people would call that alarmist. I'm not so sure. Um, I think that they would call it alarmist, um, but I, again, um, you know... <laughs> I'm sure many people make the connections to Nazi Germany and the same kinds of things that were being said back there. You have uh, Niburianism, the idea that, well, we get along to survive kind of things and that eventually this will run its course and it'll be over. Um, but in the midst of that, catast uh, catastrophe looms. People die. Uh, people are harmed. Um, it it's not alarmist to recognize what is true and what is not true, and to stand in the face of that in faithfulness. Uh, and we, as God's people, the title of this program, we are free to be faithful. We, and not only free, um, we are encouraged and strengthened to stand firm in faithfulness to Christ on these issues. Well, and sometimes, you know, the, sometimes the truth is alarmist. <laughs> Well, it is alarming, I should say. You know, it's and and I I have my opinions on those kinds of things, and he typically finds me walking into the two kingdoms doctrine. You know, the uh, there's an awful lot of misunderstanding I think in the Missouri Synod with regard to that doctrine. Um, it'd probably be good to do a program on that. Have you done that? Well, uh, by sure and utter coincidence, that's going to be the topic of the October Free to Be Faithful. Oh, I gotcha. Well, that's a yeah. That's definitely something worth hammering out. Well, something else going on within within the religious freedom effort uh, that I think is very very interesting is uh, the GOP has called for the repeal of its known as the Johnson Amendment. This is the amendment that. Which that says that uh, nonprofit organizations like churches may not take any kind of political stand or political statements, or they lose their tax exempt status. Now, the Republican Party has called specifically for the repeal of that amendment, which would essentially put nonprofits and religious bodies on the same uh, on the same level as, say, labor unions. Who also who have that privilege of, of forming the PACs and doing what they want. The Democrats, to my knowledge, have not made a statement one way or the other on the Johnson Amendment. So are, is this your understanding of the Johnson Amendment? Uh, uh, yeah, it is. Um, and this, again, is something that, um, as I mentioned before, is probably, we're in, in, at least in my, from my perspective, where the LCMS uh, finds itself kind of tiptoeing through the two doctrines, understanding. Uh, because what this amendment does in a sense, would give pastors, uh, congregations, the general freedom to, to speak publicly um, with regard to particular candidates, with regard to particular parties. Uh, we can't do that um, according to the law now, um, but it would allow that. And yet, um, based on a lot, what is a familiar understanding of the Two Kingdoms doctrine, we're already forbidding that kind of stuff in the LCMS, and I think we're not necessarily uh, doing that uh, appropriately or rightly. And I, w I would like to point out, as I did early in the uh, program here, 
free to be faithful is not taking a stand. We are not endorsing a candidate or a party. We are simply putting the information out there with the belief that this is necessary for a Christian and for a Lutheran minister for, and for Lutheran people, period, to know how to vote. You have to know what your values are. You have to know what the values are that are coming up. Uh, you've been listening to Free to Be Faithful, which is a presentation of the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod, as a religious liberty education and awareness program. Free to Be Faithful airs the third Wednesday of every month at 2.30 p.m. and is rebroadcast the following Saturday at 9.30 a.m. Central Time. It's also available for download on our website at kfuo.org. Today's guest was Pastor Chris Tope of Our Savior Lutheran Church in Heartland, Michigan. I'm your moderator, Kip Allen. God blessing to you.